We turn in God's inspired word this morning to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. And they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did break unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round from old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came, there, came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said up, Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Rise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. 
And Lot said unto them, O not so, my lord, behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O let me escape thither, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thou, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar, Little. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And we read that far. The text to which I call your attention this morning is the 16th verse. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Scriptures, which are full of examples, reveal to us the way of of salvation. Those examples that we find in Scripture clearly reveal the doctrines, the principles, the precepts of Jehovah, the joys of walking in them, but also the consequences of departing from them. And here in Genesis 19, we are given such an example in the life of the man named Lot. His is an example that demonstrates in an undeniably clear way what are the effects of a particular lifestyle upon a child of God and his family. Yes, Lot was a child of God. And yet the nature of his example is a negative one. One which is comprehended in the two words of our text, he lingered. And I hope to point out to you this morning that those solemn words 
are full of significance for you and for me. To you who confess to be Christian, these words ought to ring in your ears and strike your soul. Because the actions of your life, beyond a shadow of a doubt, have a direct influence upon your children and those around you. Taking into account some of the various elements of this chapter, I call your attention to the thought expressed in verse 16 under the theme, he lingered. Lot's lingering. We notice the meaning, the reason for his lingering, and the fruit of that lingering. What is the significance of this little phrase, he lingered? Lest we get a wrong understanding of this phrase, we ought clearly to understand this man named Lot. Lot is an example of the power of God's grace. If we're not clear on that, that Lot was an elect child of God, then many of us would leave here thinking that Lot was a poor, wicked, unregenerated man, a child of this world, and therefore it's no wonder that he lingered. But this man was a believer, a true child of God, righteous by faith. Hard to believe that, isn't it? Especially when you consider what he told the men of the city when he offered to give up his daughters to them. This man who had an eye for riches, who was motivated by worldly and carnal motives, this man who left Abraham's company to live in Sodom, this man was righteous and is now in heaven. Have you tasted the grace of salvation? So did Lot. Do you have the hope of salvation? So did Lot. Do you hate your sins? Humble yourself before God and seek for your salvation outside yourself in Christ alone? Lot did too. His eyes fixed upon the promise. And that's an indisputable fact because the Holy Spirit tells us that about Lot. I call your attention to 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, where the inspired Peter speaks of the judgment of the ungodly, recounting first the condemnation of the fallen angels then of the world at the time of Noah. And then he says this, again, 2 Peter 2, verses 6 through 9, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just lot. 
vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot vexed his soul with the sinful actions he saw all around him. And really that word vexed is not strong enough. He was oppressed. He was worn down by the offense to his soul. He was wounded, grieved by the licentious conduct of the wicked. He felt in his heart what the psalmist would later sing. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Such was Lot, a man sealed by the Holy Spirit himself as an heir of eternal life. But the example that he left us, by his life as a husband and father, was only an example of what not to do and how not to live. I say Lot is an example of the power of God's grace. That in the midst of the ungodliness and iniquity of Sodom, Lot might be characterized as godly and just, is itself a remarkable proof that the Lord knoweth how to deliver his people. But we must remember that even the holiest men in this life have but a small beginning of the new obedience, and therefore even a true Christian may have weaknesses and blemishes while nonetheless being a child of God. We don't despise that weaker brother or sister, but we must call his or her attention to this example. We all carry corruption in our hearts. And we all have an inclination to linger, as did Lot. But for our sake and the sake of our children and grandchildren, God's church and covenant, we must see Lot paid a dear price for his lingering. He played with fire in the way that he lived, and he was delivered, but not without being burned. As we consider the situation, the words are astounding enough to fill us with trembling. He lingered. The place where he lingered was Sodom. God's witness of hell. Seventeen books of the Bible refer to the abomination and condemnation of Sodom. Its history of wickedness and doom were reiterated throughout the ages. The sin of sodomy, a sign of God's wrath derived its name from this city and has been carried down throughout history until recently when the attempts to disassociate the activity from sin and damnation resulted in the more common reference to homosexuality. 
outwardly. Sodom was a desirable place, a prosperous city. The city was located in a region that was tremendously fertile, produced food in abundance, and with that rich land came wealth. As cities and regions outside this area would import their food from Sodom and her surrounding communities. Primarily, Sodom was a city of wealth, the dwelling place of of wealthy farmers and landowners. These rich landowners lived in the abundance of idleness, Ezekiel would later write. They felt themselves absolutely secure, and therefore they were happy to fill their lives with entertainment and spend their money on pleasure. To put it another way, they lived a totally careless life when it came to God. The prophet Ezekiel spelled out the iniquity of Sodom when he compared the abomination in Israel to the wickedness of Sodom. Ezekiel tells us they were filled with pride. That terrible self-centeredness that both rejects God and the neighbor in pride. The Sodomites used their riches in such a way that they became blasphemers and oppressors, despising the God who is the giver of every good and perfect gift and who demands from every one of us worship and the account of our stewardship. And the consequence to their ungodliness is spelled out in Romans chapter 1. Verses 21 and 24, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So did they commit abomination. Before God. God is not mocked. He punishes sin with sin. And in doing so maintains himself as the holy and righteous God over against the ungodly. He gives them up to uncleanness. But always through the lusts of their own hearts. Thus without implicating himself in their sin. Now, because of the age in which we live and the tolerant attitudes toward and acceptance of sodomy, even in the church world today, it's necessary that I say a few things about this sin of the sodomites, homosexuality, now known as, that such sexual perversion is sin is beyond any question when you stand before the authority of God's word. The sin referred to is condemned in the Old Testament under the penalty of death. And so you read in Leviticus chapters 18 and 20, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. 
If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. When you consider Lot's lingering, you must bear in mind that in Sodom, men and boys of every age, young and old, were addicted to this lust. As is evident in God's answer to Abraham in the previous chapter, not ten righteous lived in Sodom. No, not so much as one other than righteous lot. And God would destroy the city. What shall we say to these things? Shall we condone this sin with the misapplied words He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Shall we follow the advice of the ungodly and learn to look upon such actions as acceptable because of increated inclinations? Shall we receive with open arms and without admonition those who continue in such sin? God forbid. Let us concur with a far more competent counselor who, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind shall inherit the kingdom of God. All those who commit such sins must die. No man no longer slays them. God does. And by the magnificent power of God's grace, he saves through death all those who repent of such sins. For Christ died for such, bearing the punishment of their sins in their place. And so Paul also writes, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Ye are sanctified. So great is the power of God's grace that this abominable sin of sodomy, which is an indication that sin has reached its full, can be forgiven and overcome in the way of repentance and through faith in Christ. But such repentance was not to be seen in Sodom. In that city, the cup of iniquity was indeed full, and God's final judgment was imminent. Even though he struck them with blindness to save his child Lot, they refused to repent, revealing that in Sodom there was no more time for for conversion, but only for punishment and condemnation. 
And yet there, Lot lingered. Incredible are those words. He lingered. He knew very well the terrible condition of the city in which he lived. He had received these messengers of God and knew that God sent them to destroy the city for the cry of its abominations had waxed great before his face. Lot knew God is a God who always keeps his word. If he says something, he's going to do it. Lot believed the words of the angels because he went to his sons-in-law and warned them to flee. Up, get you out of this place, he said, for the Lord will destroy this city. He heard the voice of those ministers of wrath ringing in his ears, flee from the wrath to come, and yet he lingered. He was slow when he should have been quick, dilly-dallying around when he, when he should have been running. The psalmist sings in Psalm 119, verse 60, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Lot couldn't sing that. Seems incredible. But the Spirit recorded it for your instruction and mine. The angels of God had warned him, hurry up, escape, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. But while Lot lingered, the sound of their cries became ever more faint in his ears. There was too much of Sodom's impress upon Lot. It was almost impossible for him to, to let go of that, that merry life of ease, the enjoyment of all the pleasures of life. How could he part with his earthly possessions, with his house? with the city where he had established his home. The lifelong failure of giving proper biblical leadership to his family came to expression here. He lingered. And now, not even the voice of the angels could move him. They had to take hold of him and his wife and his daughters and drag them out of that abominable place. Yes, God was merciful to this man named Lot. What does this mean to us, people of God? God tells us that Israel, his church, earns that name Sodom spiritually when she goes the way of apostasy. And when the people of God refuse to walk in obedience to the calling God has given them. So Jerusalem is likened to Sodom in Ezekiel 16 and Isaiah chapter 1. 
And the testimony of Revelation chapter 11 is that in the last days, the two witnesses of God will be slain and their bodies will lie in the street of that great city which spiritually is called Sodom. That great city is the church institute. How does it ever become like Sodom? The church historically is married to Christ. In their generations, the members of that church are married to Christ. But they turn to the earth and they take to their bosom the things earthly and sensual and they form an unnatural alliance with the world that replaces their former marriage to Christ. So they become spiritual adulterers and adulteresses until the Sodom of Lot's day shall condemn them in the day of judgment. For you who are the people of God, that might well mean that your life is going to be vexed and threatened. Increasingly today, Christians are faced with such crisis. That institute which calls itself the bride of Christ hates the word of her bridegroom and pollutes it. Not only are lies of Satan propagated from pulpits and taught in classrooms, but the church herself makes after worldly lovers and commits the most abominable sins. It is as Isaiah said, except the Lord had left unto us a very small remnant, we would have been as Sodom. And we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Isaiah 1 verse 9. And God comes to his elect children and says, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not her plagues. Continually flee Sodom. That's to be your life. Certainly that's true spiritually. Sometimes that's even true physically and concretely. For example, you may not marry one who is a sodomite spiritually. Neither may you allow your daughters to marry such. You may not allow your sons to have have fellowship and relations with such wicked men. And when it comes to these children of the covenant, you may not raise sodomites for hell. You have a calling before God to train your children in the fear of Jehovah. To walk as lovers of the bridegroom who is Christ. In all your life, you have the calling to walk free from the influences of Sodom. 
The cry from heaven blasts forth like a trumpet. Escape from hell, my people. Yet there are many, many of God's people, men and women, who are very much like Lot. In fact, there's enough of Lot in every one of us that we need to hear this warning in the example of Lot's lingering. There are very many true children of God who appear to know far more than what they practice. By faith, they confess Christ as their righteousness, which marks them assuredly as Christians. They love the truth. They appreciate sound preaching when they hear it. But they're constantly doing things contrary to the gospel of God, things which disappoint and cause shame. They believe in heaven, but they hardly seem to long for it. They love the Lord Jesus, but they hardly live unto him. They hate the devil, but they almost appear to request that he comes to them. Playing with the world until being led into temptation and sin. That our life is a vapor, they know. But they live as if this world will have no end. Almost astonishing it is that such people could constitute the church of the living God. And yet, beloved, don't you find some of Lot in yourself? And then there are those among us, you don't, even, you don't have to look around, just examine yourself, who cause great anxiety to, the, to a pastor, to elders, to parents, loved ones, because of their close relationship to this example lot. And I'm going to speak very personally to such. As the ambassador of Christ, I confront you. You are one who causes your loved ones to wonder about your spiritual welfare. To plead with God for you as Abraham pleaded for Lot's life. You are one who acts as if to aim for holiness is beyond you. You would please everyone and offend no one. But you forget that the one you ought to please is God himself. You attend church, but your religion seems to end there. You acknowledge the command of Christ, take up your cross and follow me. Enter ye in at the narrow gate but you spend your life unsuccessfully trying to make that gate more wide and the cross more light. You are a lingering lot. Always trying to keep in step with the world, 
ingenious in making excuses and for discovering reasons so as to not come out from among them. You can find all kinds of excuses not to fellowship with God's people, with the true children of Abraham, but to partake of the world's ungodly amusements and entertainment is not beyond you. Your besetting sin lies undisturbed by any fight within you. Whether that sin be laziness or pride or gossip or fierce anger or selfishness or a particular addiction, you long ago have chalked it up to unavoidable genetic construction or your nature or your particular trials of life that you cannot conquer. But when all is said and done and you stand before this example of God's holy word, Christ sums you up with this evaluation. You're a brother or sister to lot. You linger. And when you're lingering and avoiding Christ and his word, you're not happy. You know you're not. Lingering is the sure destruction of joyful Christianity. The conscience of the lingering believer forbids him to enjoy inward peace. And therefore, I call you to consider Lot and be wise. What were the reasons for Lot's lingering? Especially for you young people and young parents, it's very important in our consideration of this example that we see that Lot made a wrong choice early in life. Continually in our lives, God places before us, Christ places before us, the words of his type, Joshua. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. When Abraham, in response to the voice from heaven, set out for Canaan, Lot chose to go with him. That was a spiritual choice, a choice made by faith. In time, his flocks and herds together with those of Abraham became too large for the pasture land in the southern part of Palestine. And as you read in Genesis 13, Abraham, the elder of the two, gave Lot the choice of the land. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, and if thou depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. And Lot made the wrong choice. He didn't seek God's will. He looked to the things of time, to the rich and fertile land. He thought of financial profit, not of his own soul. It mattered not to him that his choice was next to Sodom. That he would live in the midst of spiritual desolation far apart from the people of God, apparently never entered his mind. 
Lot chose, and his choice was not by faith. And that first step was only the beginning of the reasons which brought about Lot's lingering. While he first pitched his tent toward Sodom, we find now he's living right within the walls of the city. Within the tents of wickedness, he parked his household and raised his covenant children, showing them very clearly what were the priorities in his life. We are not told the reason for this change. Being married to a woman whose heart was in Sodom, it could be she persuaded Lot to build a house there. Perhaps they decided it would be best for their daughters, who were very likely teenagers at the time, that they might broaden their horizons and find friends to play with, that they might find husbands. Because there were men in Sodom. Be that as it may, one thing is clear. Lot lived in the midst of Sodom without seeking the will of God. He made that choice. Oh, yes, when, God, when Lot looked strictly at earthly things, he could talk himself into God's approval. After all, he had every earthly thing a man would want. As a tent-dwelling stranger in the land of Canaan, he had been exposed to all kinds of hardships. But he lived safely in Sodom, financially secure, Judging by the world's standards, the conditions of Lot's life were superior to those of Abraham. But Lot's actions sapped out of him every bit of spiritual strength. So ultimately, we find Lot's lingering was grounded in his unbiblical choice. A choice which compounded itself in every area of Lot's life. Following Lot's steps, neglect God and choose without regard to him, and your sensitivity to sin will become dull, and your eyes of spiritual discernment will become so dim, you would scarcely tell evil from good any longer. True, Lot's life his righteous soul was vexed and burdened by the wickedness of the social environment into which he had entered. But he could say nothing because the example of his own life contradicted any words he could speak. Lot had everything the world had to offer, but he was a most wretched man. Because he carried in his soul the proof of living under God's displeasure. Would you avoid the troubles and sorrows of Lot? Then let this truth sink deeply into your soul and beware of Lot's choice. Remember this in all the choices God sets before you in this life. 
Remember this when you choose a dwelling place. It's not enough that the house is comfortable or the price is within your range. Think of your soul and those of your children. Are you placing yourself in a, in a neighborhood that's still in close proximity to fellow believers? To children of the covenant? Would you remove yourself far from the people of God and from true gospel preaching? I warn you, beware of Lot's choice. Remember the reasons behind this, his lingering when you consider your calling or your profession in this life. It's not enough that the salary is high. The wage is good, the benefits outstanding. The prospects of advancement favorable. Think of your soul. Will your spiritual life be prospered or hindered? Look at your choices in the right light. Taking heed to the principles of God's word with your eyes fixed upon Christ who bought you. Do you think of the souls of your children in their education? Or is your focus so much on the things of this world and earthly pleasures and relationships that you're content with choices that are spiritually detrimental? Remember Lot's lingering. Remember this in choosing a husband or a wife and in teaching your children about these things. It's not enough that your eye is pleased, that you have fun together. Think of your soul. Will this man or woman help you toward heaven or drag you toward the earthly? Draw you nearer to Christ or to the world? Help you grow in godliness or make you ever more staunch in your lingering? Remember Lot's choice. Marriage to an unbeliever is nowhere named in Scripture as a means of conversion, only as a source of grief. Following the ways of Lot, your soul will never prosper. It's true, a believer will never be cast away, though he may linger. He will never perish, but he will go through tremendous anguish of soul. Grace is a tender plant. Though it cannot die, it might droop and become sickly. It takes great pains to build a nice hot fire requires nothing but neglect or a little cold water for it to become cold and useless. Walk in the steps of Lot, a cancer 
will begin to draw the life out of your religion. Your spiritual strength will waste away. If you would not become a lingerer like Lot, consider these reasons for his lingering and beware. And now see the fruits of his lingering. Stand in awe. The fruits of Lot's life are revealed in Scripture not as positive fruits, as negative. When you linger, you may not expect to be useful in your day or in your generations or to enjoy great comfort and peace in believing. Perhaps you don't care to be useful. I hope none of you think that way. It's conceivable that one says, well, Lot was saved, that's all I want, get to heaven. If that's the thought of your heart, you have not the true concept of heaven, nor of the God of heaven. then you've not been raised out of the self-seeking abominations of the heathen. You have no right to expect anything but hell. Because such a thought is an act of self-seeking which calls for repentance. If you seek only yourself, you have the proof in yourself that God is not in your thoughts, nor do you love the neighbor. you have not the desire to see these children saved, to help your brothers and sisters glorify God on the pathway to heaven, you're far worse off than lingering lot. But I speak now to those who linger and I say, look at the fruit in Lot's life. Not one of his neighbors believed his testimony. Not one of his acquaintances served the Lord whom he worshipped. Not one of his servants in Sodom worshipped with him. His life carried no weight. His religion caused no one to follow. Are you a lingering soul and have you wondered why God hasn't used you for the upbuilding of his church? It's because lingering souls bring no credit to God's name and cause. But what is worse, Lot saw his family and covenant seed taken from him to walk the way to hell. We're not told how many children Lot has. We're told of his wife and probably four daughters. But what is clear is this, among them not one feared the Lord. When he went and spake to his sons-in-law, which married at least two of those daughters, and told them to flee the judgments of God, he seemed as one that mocked. They looked at him as a madman. 
because he had never talked to them about these things before. Fearful words those are. It's as if they said, who would believe anything you say about God? And Lot's wife, she left her heart in Sodom as the angels were dragging her out of the city. She couldn't leave. She looked back, her heart being in hell, and at once she was turned into a pillar of salt. And so Jesus says in Luke's gospel account, remember Lot's wife. And as for Lot's unmarried daughters, they escaped only to become their father's tempters to wickedness and to become the mothers of bastard children, enemies of God and his church. We may wonder if it had not been better that they had died in the overthrow. But we must understand from the last section of this chapter that it was in those wicked daughters of Lot that the Lord would bring forth the reprobate nations of Moab and Ammon in order to chisel and file and grind and polish Israel until she was made fit for the master's use and brought to the heavenly Canaan in Christ Jesus her Lord. But there was no rejoicing for Lot. The fruits of his lingering brought his family to hell. Lingering believers reach heaven, to be sure, but they reach it without joy, in weakness and sorrow, in darkness and storm, and often without their generation. And the point is not that those who do not linger will save their children and those around them. But it is impossible not to notice the connection between Lot's lingering and his unprofitableness to his family and those around him. And therefore I call your attention to Lot's lingering. I desire your spiritual peace and joy of faith, beloved. We live in a day when a religion of lingering abounds. Closely connected with the excess and prosperity and pleasure that we enjoy. As, as Paul warned, there's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. That requires little or no sacrifice, takes in anyone without regard to the cross and the truth of God, but to walk as pilgrims and strangers, to walk with God as those redeemed by Christ, to be distinct from the world in our walk and talk in the way we dress and find entertainment, to bear a faithful witness to Christ in all places, 
to be prayerful, humble, charitable, jealous for the name of God. These are rare things. Much easier it is among a, to find our place among the lots of this world and hence to linger. And therefore I charge you in the name of Christ, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, 2 Peter 1 verse 10. The shaking of the nations, the apostasy in the churches today, the overthrowing of, of truth, they all say to you and to me, come out from among them and be ye separate. Do not linger. Do you know the testimony of the Spirit with your spirit? Know whom you have believed. Walk in the joy of faith. Then do not linger. Would you enjoy the strong assurance of your salvation? And in death... See with the eye of faith heaven opening and Jesus rising to receive you? Then do not linger. Finally, has your conscience been pricked this morning? Have you heard Christ say, Thou art the man? Go to Christ, beloved. Confess your sins. And know that he is powerful to redeem. Think not that because you've lived so long in the sleepy, lingering way of Lot, that there can be no change. Is not the Lord Jesus the great physician to heal every spiritual disease? Did he not restore backsliding Peter and place upon his lips a song of joy? Hear the word of God. Don't doubt the power of the Spirit of Christ. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Jeremiah 3. Awake and linger no more. Amen. Gracious Father, we acknowledge our sins before thee. We have heard thy word and long that that word be applied to our hearts and lives by thy Holy Spirit. Strengthen our faith and give us grace to flee everything of this world that would, that would affect our spiritual life detrimentally and look upon us in the precious blood of our Savior. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen.